You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast and another edition of Weekend Conversations. Each week, we'll take a deeper dive into an article or interview that I shared during this week, often a Friday Ford. And joining me to help is Mick Sloan, co-producer of the Elevate Podcast. How's it going, Mick? Good, good. How are you, Bob? I'm good. Week's flying by. Yeah, well, the week's already over when people listen to this. <laughs> yeah, so they don't. this is Wednesday, but it's Saturday for those who are listening. So this week, we're going to be talking about the latest Friday Forward, which is called Divergent Path. Yeah, so this is the story of an Olympic freestyle skier who does ski aerials, and their name is Ashley Caldwell, who you met last week as part of an event that you championed. Can you give some background on her story, how you met, all that? Yeah, so I I was running an event for a group of business leaders from an organization called uh, YPO and their families, uh, and it was around a World Cup champion event. So we wanted to have someone related to the event come speak to the uh, families. And um, someone had given me Ashley's name and said she'd be great, and she was a gold medal aerialist, um, which is crazy if you've ever watched ski aerials. I think it's got to be the worst parent sport. Uh, in the history of the world. Not that it's hard to watch, but it's, I, I can't think of anything more nerve-wracking. Um, so Ashley came and told us her story. And you know, it was a pretty incredible story. So she was... A lot of people don't realize... So aerialists tend to come from gymnastics. Um, they're not skiers. And they're often taught to ski. In fact, she said you have to land an aerial jump. This is like where you go off a ramp, into the air, flip, and then hopefully kind of land downhill but she said you have to land a a thousand jumps in a pool before you're even allowed to try one on snow so again she was a little tall for a gymnast and was telling a story that somehow she found about aerials and decided to go to a camp fell in love with it people at the camp were from the u.s olympic team and they kind of saw that she had a lot of potential and pretty soon they kind of asked her to come to the to the development center 14 years old and that really meant leaving school. Uh, this is like the skiers kind of up in New England where they go to a, a camp and there's a school there. So it meant leaving school. It meant kind of quitting gymnastics. And while she was pretty excited about it, you know, as you can imagine, like the kind of advisors in the school and the gymnastic teacher were kind of like, what are you doing? You're, you know, you're giving up, you know, people don't leave school. People don't quit this. You might get a scholarship. Uh, and they kind of were pretty negative about it. Yeah, and so basically the advice, as you write about in the post, the tip the scales came from Ashley's mom, who essentially said that she could if she went to the the development center and she didn't like it, it didn't work out, she could go back to school and go back to gymnastics. But that this was probably a one opportunity that she could have to go this path with ski aerials. And so I want to ask you, because I think that it can be kind of hard to know when you're in this type of pivotal life moment when you're there. How do you think about evaluating whether you're at a pivotal decision point and you're facing an opportunity that you're just not going to get again? Yeah. And look, Ashley talked to us for a while and shared a lot of incredible things about her journey. But that was the one that stuck out to me the most. A, you know, her parents kind of supported her whatever she wanted to do and B, 
you know, their approach was like, look, her mom was like, look, go try it. Like, you'll never know, but you, you can always go back, right? School will be there. Gymnastics will be there. Yeah, you'll cause some problems, but like, it'll be there. And like, this is a thing you can try. And it's just, it's just very opposite, I think, of where we've gotten a lot with kind of the path and school and program and like not kind of diverging from it, as we talked about with uh, the thing. And so there's always a little bit of a difficulty going back to something, but more often than not, you can go back. You take a new crazy job and you leave on good terms. You can often go back to the last job. If you leave on bad terms, maybe not. I, I, I think we underestimate, you know, our ability to go back to something if it doesn't work out. And look, for for every Ashley, let's be realistic, there's probably a whole bunch of Sarah's and Matt's and Steve's and Kate's and otherwise who this didn't work out. But I'm also not sure that their life was ruined um, otherwise. Just the the risk that they took or the thing they tried, you know, didn't work out. Um, you know, and who's to say how it would have gone? I mean, you know, she, as you said, she was tall, so that's not a great quality for a gymnast. So she might have gotten into college and then you know, the one thing about gymnastics is it's kind of just over <laughs> very early. There's not a there's not a real long uh, career for it versus like the aftermath that's come after this for her and winning medals and being part of the U.S. ski team and being around this crowd where people ask her to come in and talk and and, and other stuff that she's done professionally. Yeah, I, I just wonder oftentimes if we're just encouraging people to to be too safe rather than take a risk. Yeah, and so you mentioned that concept both a couple minutes ago and in the post as well of the path and capitalizing the and path. What does that mean in your conception and understanding of it? Yeah, so my son had to listen to uh, the Varsity Blues thing for a class at school, like the audio tapes. And he was saying to me this week, he's like, it's crazy. Like people, I don't know, it was something in New York that they were listening to. They, you know, they want to get into college and then they have to get into this high school. So then they start with this. So then they start on getting in the preschool before they're even born. And I was like, yeah, it's, it is, it is crazy. And, and again, I think it's this notion that, you know, if you follow this prescribed path that la- leads to success and you can't see me with the air quotes here, um, and what that, and that's usually, I think a lot of people's success is probably security and financial reward. Maybe that's not engagement. Maybe that's not happiness. Maybe that's not passion. There's a lot of people who have gone down that path who are pretty, pretty miserable, but maybe, you know, have a good tax return um, at the end of the year. And when you look at school and stuff these days, we're just, we have so made it not okay to fail, like getting an A minus is catastrophic. Like you're not going to a top school. Getting a B is just, you know, it's just this whole thing of all this does is discourage experimentation and trial and error and error and seeing what you like. And and all of those things have failure in them. And we should some we've got to figure out how to embrace failure early on when the stakes are low, then start telling people that anything falling off the path is is bad. Because the reality is it's not. And I think it's also behind massive mental health crisis that we have. So what I think is really interesting about the case of Ashley, which is very much the inverse of someone who follows this concept of the path, it's a really good illustration of that sometimes in life, a lot of times in life, you're put in a position as a young person to make a decision or set yourself on a course 
without necessarily knowing what you're signing yourself up for and not knowing the result you're going to get in the end. And so it's really interesting to think that there are a lot of forces, a lot of, in some cases, family pressure, a lot of social pressure, a lot of sort of viewing of what is considered valuable in our society and what is reflective of high status, high prestige, high earning. And I think that that gets into a situation where someone decides, well, look, obviously I want to be, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to work in some high level finance, whether it's a hedge fund, investment banking, something like that. And I think that what is not always understood is the opportunity costs associated with that, which is you're putting yourself on a conveyor belt that actually, to your point, it's kind of hard to get off it once you get to a certain point. And you may hit you know, the middle decades of life with the realization of, I've had this success, I have this money, I have a high pressure job, I'm working all the time. Does this get like a fire in me to start every day? Often the answer is no. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. When you say this success, a lot of times that is someone else's definition of success. You know, I talked about that in Elevate, right? I think achievement is the level of getting to what it is that you want. And, and look, you might grow up. And I think there's different versions, and I've heard this in all different, you know, religions and ethnicities, <laughs> but they're similar stories. We might grow up and, you know, you had a sick parent or a sick brother, and you're like, I want to be a doctor and I want to help people, and that's your motivation. But there's a lot of families who kind of basically say to a kid, like, the only acceptable things to be in our culture are a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or otherwise. I was telling someone the story of... of <laughs> 
that we had that Angela Duckworth told on the podcast, right? When she told her dad um, that she wanted to be in education and he said, he was all upset because like he was an, you can, you know, you can be an engineer, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer. And then he came back, he thought about it and he came back the next day and he said, I thought about it. You, and he went and found the highest thing he could find in, in education. And he was like, you should be secretary of education. And she was like, dad, that's not, that's not what I want to do. Right. That's not the same. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a politics. And look, Angela's like incredibly successful teacher and lecturer and and you know known all around the world because she did what she wanted to do and what she had passion around but i assume a lot of people fall you know for that parental guilt and again then they find themselves in this you know leave it to beaver life that they thought would be satisfying and engaging and, and it's not and as you said sometimes you just it's the act of jumping or just trying it out or taking it and learning to do that and be like, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's never the end of the world. I think it's so like everything now, whether it's the right camp or the right college or the right sorority, it's like end of the world. Like I went to one camp, I didn't like it. I went to another camp. Like it wasn't the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess the thing that I'm kind of wondering is, are we stuck in this situation? What do you think could change and snap people away from this. You have to get to the right preschool so you can go to the right grade school so you can go to yeah. the right college, you know. I, if people could understand that actually the most successful people in the world probably didn't get everything right. They were actually more divergent and took more risk and took more chances. Um, the people who really have done extraordinary things. I, I think we need to normalize failing and trial and error and learning and not perfection and getting it right. I think we have a system that sort of, when you think about this, this is a manifestation of uh, like old statehood working for the government. Like you have to stay in school and do this and otherwise. No, you don't. <laughs> like Mark Zuckerberg quit Harvard. That worked okay for him. You know, Michael Dell quit, was it Harvard or somewhere and sold computers out of his dorm room or Texas, I think worked out well for him. Same for Bill Gates. Like you know, when you think about, you know, some of the athletes and musicians and otherwise, like incredibly successful people, probably doing what they love, also making a lot of money. N none of them were on the path or none of them stayed on the path. Yeah. And I, I think that it's pretty instructive, like Mark Zuckerberg, Michael Dell and Ashley Caldwell, the skier we're talking about. I think that there's a commonality in there that they had this thing that they were relatively new in starting out and exploring. They had obviously a passion for it. But I think also, and I think that this is an important component, they had some credibility in their opinion that this was something that they could be truly great at. So Ashley, you know, she's brand new to this. She's 14 years old and she goes to this camp to learn about it. And she's got Olympic talent evaluators basically saying, you've got something really special you should come do this. That's a pretty clear signal. So I know that there can be some consideration of a riskiness of following your passion, but if it's the type of thing where you have a real credible reason to believe that not only are you passionate about, but you really have the capacity to be great at it, that I feel like is kind of the special blend. And it's interesting, Mick, because you did not hear Ashley speak, and that was not in <laughs> the the Friday Forward that you helped edit. But um, she said almost that exact thing. Like I think deep down, she knew that she wasn't a world class gymnast. She was a good gymnast. She liked it. She was good at it. Right? Sometimes you have talent, but you don't love it. 
um, and probably good enough to get into college and get a scholarship. But then, you know, you just start over at the bottom of the barrel then, right? Out of a thousand people that get into college, you know, 10 will come out of that. So, and when she did this, she had the sense that, wow, like I'm into this. I could be great at this. Like, and, you know, we hear a lot about this, find your passion. And, and I think like it can be misleading. I think it's more what you said. Like you find the opportunity of something that's super, take out the word passion because it, it, a lot of debate, super engaging, that you can learn a lot, that you can be really good at it and you could be the best. Like it's hard to pass up that opportunity. But the only way to know that is to take chances and to try things. And a lot of those things are not on the conveyor belt right, that are offered uh, on the regular conveyor belt. The conveyor belt offers a very limited set of eventual um, solutions. So I think you need to jump off and try these things. And if you find one of these things where it can be the thing that you could be amazing at, that tends to be one of the more rewarding things in life from people I've seen. Yeah, exactly. And so that, you know, I'm not a parent, but this is something that my wife and I talk about if we think about the type of parents we want to be, the type of lessons that we want to pass on. It's that combination of what are you passionate about and also what do you really think that you could be great at? Because being great at something is part of the passion. It is very, very dejecting to be a failure at something that you're passionate about. But if you can find that thing that you enjoy and that you can also really, with proper work and training and mentorship, be truly, truly exceptional at, that. That's the specialty. And you're willing to go out and probably do it every day and practice it every day despite it because you enjoy the you enjoy the practice, right? That's what makes people world-class. People who enjoy the practice at whatever it is are going to be the best at it. The hours of theater practice, the hours of music practice, the hours of behind the scene, you know, whether it's athletics or business or otherwise. If you hate the practice, then it's hard to be really – you can – talent will only get you so far. I mean, you know, one of the worst – draft picks of all time NFL Jamarcus Russell I think his name was yeah um he just didn't care about football like he was an incredible talent and so everyone drafted him and he just really wasn't interested in football yeah and so for what do you love the work and that doesn't mean you know you you've said this in a previous Friday forward that you love what you do but sometimes work is just work so that doesn't yeah. mean that you're gonna have a blast every time that you do it but if you love the process, then you can get the outcome that you want to get to. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash elevate. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I, I want to pivot this sort of to you because I think that you have an example from your own life and your own career. You took that step off of the path. And so I want to ask, before you pivoted into your entrepreneurial stage of life, you know, several years ago, did you consider yourself, were you trying to be on the path and struggling against it? Or were you, were you always hoping for the divergent? No, I think I was put on the path, um, you know, similar sort of family, you know, dynamic, uh, and which is, again, most people like there's good intentions in that. I just don't think the path that ever served me, but my risk tolerance was, was pretty low. Um, so I knew it wasn't right. I, I didn't, I mean, I've told the story in the books, like school just didn't work for me because I wasn't learning what I like to learn. And then once I figured out what I want to learn, I wanted to learn as much as I could possibly learn. Um, so I, I was probably jumping off the path a lot and people were kind of knocking me <laughs> back onto it. And it wasn't until I got frustrated enough that I just jumped and left and then I never looked back. And then I was like, oh, I never want to do that again. So yeah, my my issue I was I was always very entrepreneurial, creative, sort of I would say not conforming at all, but I also had a very low tolerance for risk. Um and so I wasn't willing to kind of bet on myself at at an earlier age. And so when you made that decision, was there a particular time or a particular moment or experience that made you think I made the right decision? I could really do this. Here's the reality, unfortunately, and and it was a little bit like this for me, and I think this is the hardest thing for people, is I can't remember, this has been embedded in Friday Forwards, but this is a lesson that unfortunately most people will fail (laughs) over and over again. And that is like, when things are good enough, it's really hard to jump off the path. Like when they're good enough, when you're in a job you don't really like, but you're overpaid and you have some bills... But, but as soon as you lose that job or as soon as something happens or as soon as you have a pretty big failure where like it doesn't like you might as well jump off because like the, the path is about to hit a wall. Um, you know, so many people made huge transitions by things that weren't their choice. You know, they, they something happened that forced them to do it and it ended up being the thing that they were supposed to do. And I think. I think that's probably the hardest thing. I think when we have something happen extrinsically or otherwise, or we lose a job or the company shuts down or whatever, and then we sit back, I can't tell you how many people have had this discussion with, or even people over the years that were kind of leaving and they said, well, what do you want to do? And they don't say like, oh, well, I want something like this. (laughs) They're like, they pick a different job in a different industry or otherwise. And so clearly that's what they wanted to do, but it was too comfortable to to make that leap. Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen, you've seen someone who you know is making a decision that's not right for them and you kind of just have had to watch? Yeah. And, and honestly, that decision is usually to stay in place, not, not jump. And look, most of us are going to be wrong when we give someone the advice not to jump. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Because uh, like we're giving them the the safety advice. Um, I'm more inclined to give people the opposite advice than everything they wanna they want to hear. But but I I think more I've watched people make terrible rationalizations and stuff for not making a change. And then I have seen on a lot of occasions how that really bites them, you know, later on. They overstay the welcome. The window closes on the other thing. You know, all those things happen. And then there, that's when there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of regret. Yeah, and to the point of regret, and this is mentioned in the post as well, Dan Pink, a multiple-time guest on the show, he's the author of, of his most recent book, was called The Power of Regret. And he said on this podcast... People, when they look back on their greatest regrets in life, it's they regret not taking a chance. They regret playing it safe. And that connects so well to what you just said, that often the wrong decision in your eyes is staying the course and playing it safe. Yeah, they regret everything they didn't do, from the girl they didn't ask out, to the chance they didn't take, to the company they didn't start. They don't remember the stuff they... He said the only thing they, they regretted doing was actually bullying people, interestingly. Like, that was the, one of the few things they regret. Everything else was was not doing. And he said he, if he was an entrepreneur, he would start a travel agent, a travel agency for people who did not go abroad because that's the single biggest regret in life in school is people who didn't go abroad. And again, I my daughter's in school. I've talked to some of her friends. And particularly, schools make it really hard for pre-med kids. Uh, and, and you see the risk, oh, well, I'll be a class behind or whatever. And you're like, you won't be able to do this again. Like, go take six months. It's it's so hard to understand how you're not going to have this sort of window and opportunity. I mean, you may, but most people don't. But that his data was that was the number one regret in life was not going abroad. Yeah, and it, it's just it's really such an illustration. And I've had this conversation with people before who are who are younger than me. You're going to go to college, and you're going to graduate. Maybe you'll go to graduate school. Maybe you won't. And then you're going to get out, and you're going to work. And you're going to work for decades. <laughs> maybe you'll get a week off in between two of your jobs, right? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe if you're lucky, you'll start a business that's so successful that you can retire when you're 45 and go on vacation for the rest of your life. But in a lot of cases, I always think you got to stay abroad in college because even if it's not the only time, it's objectively the easiest time and the best time, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I have heard people say, and my, I know my kids are sort of like that, but like, I'm not, I'm not paying for college unless you go abroad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's good encouragement. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that's right. Just like my other favorite thing was Brene, this is totally not related to anything, but Brene Brown said that she would not pay for her kids colleges if they knew what they wanted to major in before they went. <laughs> she huh. said, what's the point? Like, I want you to go to college to see that actually it is related, right? That is sort of a path. Yeah comment right where she was saying look the point of college is to go take this stuff and try it and figure out what you want to be if you have it all pre-planned then like why do i need to pay for it yeah i mean you have to learn what <laughs> you're good at you have to experience things yeah you need to learn what you're passionate about you gotta you gotta fail and then that's why the val victorian trap when you actually think about it that you know the notion that someone who gets an a in everything is a conformist by nature right because they don't love those things because typically, if you were brilliant in poetry, you know, I'm going to grossly generalize here, but like you're terrible at math or don't care about it. Or I'm guessing Elon Musk wasn't awesome at spelling, right? But he has some other, you know, hobbies. So people who are actually really great at something, figure that out, put all their passion in that and don't do well in the other stuff and don't care about it. They don't spend their time trying to do well in the stuff they don't care about. 
which is why a lot of the data that valedictorians really underperform in real life. It's an interesting stat. And I think it exactly explains this phenomenon too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's tough to be great at something if you try to be good at everything. Yeah. And you see like when you think about kids sports, right? I, I'm a big fan of pushing people to try this stuff, finish the season, you know, the Duckworth don't grit, but at some point the kid has to love it. If they're going to do all this club stuff in four and five days a week and you're pushing them onto it, they're going to learn to hate it and they're going to get burnt out. At some point they have to love it. And maybe they love the other sport that you didn't think so. So you need to be pushed to try and you need to be pushed to stay through things a little bit, like stay with the season, stay with the thing, because it's not fun when you're just learning it. But then you have to make that decision eventually. And look, the great irony of all of this is of the path, as we'll say, is that I think if you looked at all the incredibly successful people who are at the top of their fields in all these niches or otherwise, I think they would be non-path people for the most part, the majority. Yet everyone yeah. is so concerned <laughs> that that success, you know, comes from staying on the conveyor belt. Yeah, and it's funny how often, and I've found this with friends and family members and any number of people that I've talked to about these things. I've been in so many situations where someone's wondering what to do, like whether they want to stay, commit to a relationship with someone they've started dating, if they want to go to a certain type of grad school versus another. And they're talking about, and there have been so many times, and I've had a lot of success with people with this, where I've just said, you already know what you want to do. You just need someone giving you permission to do it. Yeah. Sounds like a Philip McKernan comment. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that often unlocks it. It's like, listen to what, listen to the alternative that you just can't get out of your head because there's probably a reason that it's in there. Yeah. And again, a lot of these things, if you try it and it doesn't work out, it is not a fatal failure. Right. And, and there might be some embarrassment or otherwise, but again, you talk to people, they, they tell you what they learned from that and how they started the business and it failed. And so they knew how to start it the second time. Right. It's if you're repeating all your mistakes, then that's a totally different problem. Yeah. And I mean, embarrassment, get those scars early because it, it, it fortifies you for, for later. And that's important. That is the biggest problem today is that ostensibly when the stakes are low with kids these days, we are not letting them try stuff, fail stuff, get it wrong. And so then when the stakes are higher and they've never had that before, they don't have that muscle, they don't know how to do it, and it feels like an existential threat. And it's so backwards. Mm-hmm. You should fail at everything you do as a five and six and 10-year-old, and then you'll be well-hardened for <laughs> failure later in life. Yeah, Absolutely. So let's take it to the quote of the week, which is from Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Why'd you pick this one? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, it was the first thing that popped in my head after we came up with the title, The Virgin Path. Um, you know, famous quote. And again, it is this it is this paradox of our time that people can't help following. It feels like the right thing to do is to follow all the footsteps and follow what the crowd is doing. But in 90% of cases, we know that that's, that's not where the best outcomes come from, right? If everyone else is doing it, then it's really hard to, to differentiate. So I thought that just nailed the, the concept. Absolutely. Sometimes you just gotta go with the classics. Want to take us out? Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to check out the post we discussed today, go to robertglazer.substack.com and look for the post titled Divergent Path. 
Also, keep your eyes out for future editions of Weekend Conversations, which will be in your feed every Saturday morning. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.